0: Welcome back to the Joy of Aquatics. Now this is episode 4 and today's topic is behaviour management. So I have been asked why am I tackling behaviour management straight away after we've just done trauma and I'm feeling like if we can learn to manage behaviour really well we're not going to be putting kids into toxic stress. So one of the things I wanted to look at is how are our new teachers learning behaviour management because It's not something we actually teach as part of the courses to become swimming teachers. So how are they figuring out what is behavior management? The interview that I have done is with a brand new teacher called Eden Ahern. Eden has been teaching for less than four months on her own. Now, I took Eden through her TSW course and she was already working for us in administration, so that was great for her, but then we went ahead and closed the swim school and she's had to find another swim school to go and work for so it's been good for her to see a different program working with different people but I don't actually get to see how she's progressing so I don't get to I don't get to help her out as much anymore which for me is a bit of a bummer so I've I've asked Eden to come in and talk to me about behavior management and here's what she's had to say now I will warn you I was having some technical difficulties when I was speaking with Eden so the interview is not the clearest so make sure you've got your really good listening ears on Um, and since then I've actually gone out and purchased some microphones and some better equipment if I'm going to be doing this a bit more often I figure it's time to invest so that's why this piece of audio might sound a little bit different to the one you're about to hear. Eden can you please
1: tell the listeners how long you've been teaching? Um, So I started shadowing about last year, and I just started teaching by myself about March this year, so only a couple of months by myself. How did you find the process of becoming certified? Um, I wouldn't say it was easy. It was definitely difficult, but I think in the end it was all worth it, because you do all that training, and then finally at the end you can actually teach by yourself, and it's a really good feeling to be able to do what you've worked so hard. Okay, so
0: today's topic is all about behaviour management. Eden, how did you learn behaviour management? Because you're running classes on your own now, so you must
1: be okay at it. So how did you learn how to manage the behaviour in your classes? When I was shadow teaching, I took a lot of notice of how the other teachers were, like, dealing with the behaviour and stuff, and then I try to just implement that in my classes... Um, it's still quite a difficult thing for me. Like I still struggle to, you know, manage it all the time. But I think with experience as well, you get better at it. What do you think is the hardest part about managing behaviour? Um, For me, I think it would be just being the authority all the time because I'm not a very confident person and trying to always be like, the main authority over all the children is difficult, especially when you've got kids that don't want to sit still and want to play around and stuff like that. Do you think your training was adequate then for you to actually um, be teaching on your own? Um, I think in a way it was, but I think I didn't have enough training on children that, like, don't just sit there. I, ne- I think I needed a bit more on children that want to jump around and muck around and how to deal with them. How do you manage behaviour in your classes? What are some of the things that you do? Um, Before they start, I always make sure to lay down the rules with, like, they need to be sitting on their bottoms on the step or on the island at all times. They can't put their heads under the water um, and all that kind of stuff. And if they're doing that, I make sure I keep telling them, keep your heads above the water, sitting on your bottom, all that kind of stuff. Um, I also think it's important to encourage them a lot when they do something that's good even if it may be something little because I think if you encourage them it gives them a bit of confidence to keep going and want to you know achieve more if you don't really encourage them then they don't really see a purpose of swimming if they're not doing anything that's worth recognizing
0: do you ever follow
1: up with why they're doing
0: things so if you tell them to sit on their bottom and not put their head under the water do you tell them why it's important for them not to do that
1: um, yeah, I always try to tell them that they need to sit on their bottom so that they don't fall under the water when I'm not watching and so that they can always hear what I'm saying and see what I'm doing so that they know what they have to do.
0: What do you mean by when you're not watching? Come on, Miss Eden, I took you through your training.
1: <laughs> I just meant while I'm doing something with another child and they're not like...
0: They're not your Yeah, they're not focus the my attention. focus
1: right at that moment. Yeah it's okay it's
0: okay you're a newbie teacher what you've been in the water maybe three months on your own yeah it's okay it takes practice and uh, a lot of teachers come into the industry and we're you're competent and ready to go but maybe not confident so and that's I guess that's another topic for Uh, listeners to I guess ponder is what is the difference between competent and confident because you can have them independently of each other so Eden my last question for you is how can the industry improve um, behavior management training for new teachers what do you think we can do to help new teachers through this process
1: Um, I think just a lot more exposure to classes with children that aren't so easy to deal with. Like, I think shadow teaching classes where the kids don't sit still and the kids want to jump around and, yeah, just watching how to deal with that because as soon as you get to your own classes, it's a lot different to having a different, like, another teacher there with you.
0: Yeah. I think
1: I think what Eden has
0: just said actually highlights the fact that a lot of new teachers don't actually understand and see what they're looking at when they're shadow teaching because the behaviour management from the classes that Eden was with, there were kids that were jumping around and misbehaving but the behaviour management from the teachers that she was with was almost flawless. The teachers that Eden was shadowing with, they've been teaching for, you know, 30 plus years. So it doesn't look like behaviour management but it really is. So I think that's really important for us to understand that when we do have new ca- or candidates or new teachers coming in to shadow teach with us to get some of those nominal training hours in that we explain what we're doing and why we're doing it so I, th- I think that's a really good point Eden thank you is there anything else that you'd like to say in regards to behavior management
1: um, I think just that the more you do it you get confident at it because I know when I started by myself that was something I really really struggled with and that was the worst bit for me but I think now that the more I'm in I get better at it and I can seem to get the kids to sit still for longer and all that kind of stuff and I can get more swimming in and I'm not having to repeat myself and tell them to sit on their bottoms all the time like it just they know to do it now that I'm a bit more confident
0: awesome thank you Eden Thank you so much for your time today. Good luck. Keep going. You'll get through it. And I reckon by about 12 months, by the time you've been in for 12 months, you're going to have a really good, solid understanding. So thank you so much for your time. How awesome is that to actually listen to a really new teacher? Did that take you guys back to being a brand new teacher yourselves? Do you remember that feeling of, worry and and stress and a little bit of anxiety and coming out of every lesson having learnt something new and feeling that little bit more confident the more you do it I remember that I remember that well and it's very evident that Eden is a really new teacher just by the way she still talks about teaching Um, classic example of saying you know when I'm not looking at them and for me, having taken her through her training, I know that she means when I'm not, um, focusing on that particular child at that time. But it's just classic example of how our our new teachers and how their minds, think and how, over you know, to get to where we are now as a more experienced teacher, that our words actually change. So, really interesting to hear as well her talk about how she's just sort of absorbed. Behavior management, and that she didn't, she wasn't quite sure, I guess, what behavior management looked like. She just tried to emulate what those teachers were doing, and I guess it does really highlight that we need to be explaining what we're doing. So, all right, well, what actually is behavior management? Why do we need it? How do we do it effectively? Obviously, we do it, um, but what makes some teachers' behavior management better than others? So behavior management is how we manage different types of behaviors within our class for desired outcomes. That's what behavior management is. Why do we need it? We need it because the kids that we're teaching don't have the cognitive awareness to keep themselves safe in that env- environment. And quite often the kids don't have the ability um, or the social skills to act acceptably in a social setting so we need to manage behavior for those reasons we, we've got to keep the kids safe we've also got to keep them learning and we need to help them in that social setting as well now behavior management is something I've spoken about um, a number of times different conferences I've been overseas to speak about behavior management but what really set me off down this path was that back in May 2015, we had a non-schooling family come into the swim school. I had no idea what non-schoolers were. To me, they were just homeschoolers. And I'm like, yep, okay, come on in, you need lessons, not a problem. I very quickly found out that non-schoolers don't believe in the education system at all. So the children from non-schooling families are essentially students of life. Non-schoolers don't believe in the Uh, curriculum at all. Homeschoolers will actually have their kids at home and take them through the curriculum but a non-schooler won't do that so if they're gonna learn about safety they're probably gonna do something dangerous. So when I had a non-schooler come into my class, wow that was really really interesting. So the first week little Johnny gets into my class and he's fine. We're doing everything. He's comfortable in the water. He's certainly not afraid of it. We're in the deep part of the pool as well. He took to that like a like a fish to water. And you know we're on the island. We're doing things. He jumped off the island a few times and very quickly learnt that that wasn't the way to go. Um, but he was happy. He was talking. He was engaged. He he was he was absolutely fine. Difficult to manage, but he was absolutely fine. So the following week little Johnny comes in for his lesson and he's sitting on the side of the pool and he doesn't want to get in and I said to him mate we're going into the deep end, um, we're going back onto the island, I said I can understand that you don't want to be here today and I said there are days where I feel like that too um, but I can't leave you sitting on the side because I'm going to have my back to you so you're going to have to come in with me, Okay. So I scoop him up in my arms we hop in over to the island and he starts crying. So I have the conversation with him again mate it's okay I understand you're allowed to cry that's how you express yourself cry away it's fine. So he started off on his cry having a good old whinge and um, but he's still talking to me. He's still engaging with me. He's still backfloating with me. So I know he's fine. He's just expressing himself that I don't want to be there that day. Anyway, four, five minutes into it, he's still crying. I'm going, oh, this is starting to affect everyone else's lesson. This is becoming really difficult. So I go over to him and I say, mate, that's enough. Come on. I know you don't want to be here. You know you don't want to be here. Your mum knows you don't want to be here. It's time to turn off the tears or at least become a little bit more quiet because the other kids can't hear me properly. So we're going to have to do something here because this this is enough. Anyway, mum comes over, pulls him out of my class. Oh, she spoke to me terribly, really, really poorly. I was really angry. I was livid absolutely livid Finished the class and of course she's gone by this point and I'm just fuming absolutely fuming that she had undermined my authority okay right well we're just going to have to deal with that next week next week's going to be fun isn't it so next week comes little Johnny's and his togs Gets to the gate to hop into the pool, has a massive tantrum and mum doesn't make him get in. And I went, whew, dodged a bullet this week, haven't I? Awesome. Okay. But next week's going to really suck. This is, this is not going to be fun. All right. What do I do? Okay. Following week comes, he's not even dressed in his swimwear. He's not even in his swimwear. He ends up spending half an hour because his sister's in at the same time in another class, right? So he spends half an hour climbing all over my furniture and laughing and giggling and jumping off the furniture while mum's just sitting there having a chat with another parent. I was so angry. I was so, so angry. So I got out. I finished my class a few minutes early so I could go and speak to this mother and I went and spoke to her and the first thing she said to me was, you know, you're the bad guy, right? In front of her child. Okay, what do I say here? And I wish that I had spoken to Sue Mayo at that point and gone, um, you know, he has ears. <laughs> he has ears. We need to change his conversation. But what I said was, yep, I'm okay with that. That's part of my job right now and I'm totally okay with that. After that conversation, she pulled her daughter out and I never saw them again. Now this concerns me because I have no idea or I had no idea what had happened. He was fine the first week. He was engaged with me the second week but when I asked him to, when I set my boundary, um... You know, she pulled him out. Nope, that's not acceptable. So this is the situation that has really sent me down this path of what is behavior management? How do we do it? Why didn't this work? This this mother really sent me down this path. So what we've found out, now I've asked some of my um, swimming teachers to help and we called around different schools. Now what we did was we went to the schools because, well, you know, they're... They're amazing. School teachers have got to deal with 30 kids for six hours at a time. I'm dealing with four kids for half an hour at a time and sometimes I'm struggling. So I'm like, I'm going to the specialists. So we called the schools and we found out that all the schools have the same three or four um, rules. And the rules are everyone has the right to be respected. Everyone has the right to an education. And everyone has the right to be safe. They were the three main rules that every school had that was consistent across the board. And I went, oh, that totally makes sense. That's human rights right there. People go to war when certain parts of the community aren't respected, aren't allowed to be educated and don't feel safe. So this to me made sense. And this is where I started using principles and principle pay-based behavior management instead of rules. Now you've heard me say it before that behavior is complex. Okay? If behavior wasn't complex, we wouldn't have um, a legal system. We wouldn't have judges and juries. Okay, if someone broke the rules, that would be it. No, you go to jail. That's your sentence. It would be the same for everyone. But behaviour is complex. So when we take our principles across into every situation, we're able to get fairness and equity for everyone. So what happened with this situation with the mother and little Johnny was that little Johnny broke my education principle. He was starting to affect the other children in his class, their education. So I said something and I set my boundary. In doing that, I broke the mother's respect principle, which is why she came and pulled him out of my class. And the way she spoke to me in doing so actually broke my respect principle as well. So we had a complete falling apart of what our principles were. Now, when the principles start to fall apart, or they're not aligned in the first place, that's when we start having issues. So here's what we know about behavior management. It occurs on a continuum. We've got Ultra play-based at one end and drill sergeant on the other. I see myself somewhere in the middle of that. So if we put ultra play-based at one on a scale of one to ten and we put drill sergeant at ten, I feel like I sit around a five. And that way I can slide into drill sergeant if I need to or I can go play-based if I need to. It's important that we as swimming teachers know where we sit on that continuum and where our colleagues sit that continuum and it's okay to be up more around drill sergeant and it's okay to be down more around play-based we all do it differently the same way we all parent differently it's not about being right or wrong it's about understanding and accepting our differences in how we manage behavior but also going with our strengths so if i have a parent that's ultra play-based i'm probably Unless I've got three other kids that are ultra play-based as well, I'm probably not the right teacher for them. I need to put them with a teacher that is more play-based. For me, I've, I feel like I'm up around a seven or an eight sometimes, depending on the kids. We're going to slide across that scale depending on the kids that we've got in the class or depending on their their attitude that day we might start at a seven or eight and then slide down to a two or a three within that class so we're going to slide across this scale really really easily but for me I know I don't particularly want parents that are ultra play-based I don't want their kids in my class I don't cope with that very well so we've got to work to the strengths of what we of how we are as teachers So having that conversation when parents actually put their kids into classes to start with is really important. But this mum was very open and honest and she said, look, we're non-schoolers. I just didn't know what that was. So I said before, behaviour is complex. Now, one set of rules is not always going to cut it, which is why our principles work really, really well. We have a child jumping up and down at the end, I might be able to say, mate... I need you to stand still so you don't fall onto one of the other kids. Always following up with that why, why they need to do it and having it tied back directly to respect, safety or education is how you can deliver behavior management through principles. Okay, it's not about having a go at one kid. It's always about delivering with compassion and why are you asking them to do what they're doing? Why is that important? Please keep your feet on the floor so you don't kick another child in the face. That's respect and that safety tied in together. One of the easiest ways to start delivering this is by making sure you've got really good relationships with the kids and the parents to start with. Once those relationships are built, the kids know then where your boundaries are. If you give a child boundaries they're able to work within them really safely. So let's think about a situation. Let's say you're going onto a roller coaster. The first thing you do once that bar comes down over over your head and into your lap is you test it right. You give it a good shake you want to make sure it's holding. If that bar's not holding do you feel safe? No way. No way not at all. So That's what kids do. They're going to test our boundaries. But we need to make sure that our boundaries are solid. When we're doing that with compassion, we're able to continue to build our relationships. So relationships are important based on trust, which come down to how we set our boundaries. It is no no point setting your boundary after the kids have already gone past it. There's no point doing that. You need to start letting kids know that they're approaching your boundaries as they're approaching them so how how do we do that we can change our pitch our tone um, our facial expressions our body language we can drop our manners now manners are really really important for continuing to build respect and showing kids how to be part of a community manners are super important But I tell you what, as I have one child starting to approach my boundaries, my manners drop off. So there's a big difference to, can you please keep your feet on the floor so you don't kick someone in the face? Thank you. Versus keep your feet on the floor so you do not kick someone in the face. So the first time I said that, that's probably going to be the first time I say it to them. But the second time I said that, I've probably said it maybe three or four times already, probably only two or three times to be honest, because it's not safe and it goes against my principles and I don't want someone kicked in the face in my class. So behaviour management is really, really important and how we approach it, making sure we've got good relationships with parents and kids, letting parents know where you're coming from. Um, using your manners with your kids until they start approaching your boundaries and then let them drop off so they know if you always use your your manners and then you stop using your manners the kids go whoa she's getting angry here okay so setting your boundaries is really really important having good relationships is really really important and remaining consistent and fair really really important If you're struggling with one particular child to connect with that child, pull out the compassion. Advocate for that child. Why are you struggling to connect with them? And look, I've had my fair share of kids that I just, oh my goodness, I don't like this kid. I don't want to teach this kid. I don't want to have anything to do with this kid. Oh, we're back at this class. But it's okay. Come at this child with compassion and with an open heart ready to try and educate them the best way that you can I want you to be the best teacher that you can be and the only way that you can do that is to be open behaving well managing behaviors really well so that you can get a safe education for the whole class because that's your safe safety education and respect right there All right, I hope this episode has helped you guys with behavior management or helped you understand a little bit more about it. Um, It is something that I talk about quite often. I've, I've got a number of different slides and PowerPoint presentations for this. It is one of my favorite, most passionate topics. Now, I know we've done four episodes in four weeks. I'm going to start to cut that back and maybe go every two or three weeks now. So you don't have to worry. Um, it's not going to be week on week on week on half an hour all the time so if you're looking for me you can find me on Facebook now I am on Twitter but I don't use it very much I'm not that technologically advanced I can hit one social media thing really well and that's about it so find me on Facebook Um, and you can also head to our website which is a qualification so a qualification.com.au if you're looking for me. I hope you guys are staying well and happy teaching.